You are listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. Uh, and now we're going to play a live episode from, uh, shall we say, a northern place. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Dollop. <laughs> this is a bilingual American history podcast. Each week, I read a story in English and Bulgarian <laughs> to my nemesis, Gareth Reynolds. Who is allowed to say his name and is not your nemesis and also has no idea what the topic is going to be about. I mean, the intro is just... And it's very angry. <laughs> no one understands why. When Always, you call just, someone your nemesis, it's self-fulfilling. You're self-fulfilling. <laughs> you go around calling someone your nemesis, they're going to start to get agitated, and then you can just go, oh, this is what I don't like about this you. This is what I was talking about. This is the friction I'm talking exactly about. It seems to, like about. you talk like a nemesis. We're friends. You're Daddy Duck. I missed you today. Yeah. <laughs> My dad did die. <laughs> he died good. Uh, uh, <laughs> He's a bad man. We should do a dollop on him. <laughs> oh my God, that is actually a great fucking idea. <laughs> I wish he was alive to hear it. <laughs> what you should do is you should work on an hour all about your dad, and then when you do it for the first time, I'll watch it on stage with you and just jump in every now and then. Be like, that's fucking nuts! Keep going. Well, my album kind of is about my dad. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But there's more meat on the bone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of meat on the yeah. bone. Well, not anymore. It's definitely time to start. <laughs> September 8th, 1801. Byron Kilborn. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Even, you don't even know that? Nope. <laughs> I mean, I know Kilborn because of the street. Oh, okay. What, was born in Granby, Connecticut. Was born in Grampy? Granby. Granby. His paternal grandfather invented the modern steamboat. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Now it, it certainly holds up as it's one of our best machine. creations. We should probably still be using it. Yep. His father, James, was a decorated war veteran, a founder of the Ohio Territory, and Ohio U.S. representative. Uh, James was in, uh, he was the. Uh, Episcopalian uh, gentleman. Okay. At the time, Connecticut was uh, a theocracy. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, it was run uh, by the Congre Congregationalist Church. Uh, so after the war, the Episcopalians were considered traitors. So James, he could either continue to live in Connecticut, getting tons of verbal shit and being treated as a second-class citizen, or he could leave. So he stays. He left. Oh, weird. What a weird choice. I love the first option. It's like, let's make a deal. Take what's in the box. Yeah. So when Byron was two years old, the family moved uh, to some land his father had bought in the Ohio wilderness. Okay. That sounds like dicey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's dicey. <laughs> We're moving to the woods. Mm, that's all we've got. <laughs> 
Within a few years, white people flooded into Ohio. A lot of still the case. Louise. Someone's going to yell, it's Louise. I don't fucking need it. I'm just having a beer. Nobody said anything. Well, the they were going <laughs> to. Uh, so a lot of influential families move in uh, to this part of Ohio. So Byron grows up surrounded by powerful people. He develops political and social connections okay. at a very young age. Uh, he's well-educated. Uh, he was really into math. Sure. Who isn't? If you're out in the wilderness. No, I mean, you're out in the middle of just the forest. You're like, I gotta get some math. Oh, nothing's better than division by a tree. Oh, fuck. Uh, Long division. Get me there, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, so he would. He was super into it. He pursued math passionately as a child. So sure. I hate him. Sure. Uh, he was very interested in the practical application of math towards navigation, surveying, and engineering. Nerd. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, like, it, hearing what his brain was into makes my brain hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as happens uh, in Dollops, his mom died when he was five. Sure. Yep. Time to get a job. Yep. Uh, she died during childbirth. When he was five? So he was really, like, yeah. hanging on for dear life there. I will not, mother. I'm not finished inside. You get out, Byron. He finally, ah. she finally just split open and he rolled out. Ah. Oh. That's, that's what childbirth is. Yeah, that's, read your Bible. I'm a doctor. I know. I'm a doctor. Uh... So then Byron uh, was raised mostly by his three older siblings until James remarried three years later. When uh, Byron was 13, he left school and got a job as a clerk at his father's company store. Okay. That's pretty old to start working in this time. I know. Everyone's like, 13, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. What a slacker. Get to get it. You're a teenager. Your mom died. That's when you get a job. Yeah. You should be a mechanic at that point. Yeah. He encouraged, oh, sorry, uh, Byron wanted to be a lawyer, but his dad was super against lawyers because he was in debt and there were creditor lawyers coming after him all the time. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't you be like, yes, go do this. Yes, figure out how I can defeat these fucking people. That's what I would be like. I support you totally for selfish reasons. Get working. So he encouraged Byron to pursue other interests, especially math. Uh, it's just frustrating to hear. <laughs> Uh, James' business collapsed in, collapsed in 1918 in the aftermath of the War of 1812. There was a financial panic that took down many Ohio banks, too. So Ohio was kind of fucked. I mean, everywhere was, but still is. Whatever. Uh, Fun little moment. Yeah. Little light moment. <laughs> Everything's still fucked. Anyway, let's stay on topic. Uh, well, it got good for a while, and then it got fucked again. Yeah. Capitalism's good. James... So James was also a surveyor. That's what he was doing, um, as was Byron's older brother. Okay. Uh, so when he was 16, Byron decided to become a land surveyor. Okay. So surveyors were hired by the federal government to explore new territories, map them out, use that information, plan, develop, administer land, right? Sure. It's the whole thing. Uh, 
surveyors were scarce because uh, so many territories were expanding, so demand was high, and that meant getting a job was super easy. So he, uh, he got a job right away, started working. Explores okay. the Ohio wilderness. After three years, he was promoted to engineer and led the construction of the Ohio and Miami canals. Wow. Your favorite. Yeah, for sure. Two, my top two. Yeah. What's your third? Panama. What's your fourth? Panama. What's your top five? Top five? Well, okay, there's Miami and Ohio, which, if we're going to get into it, I want to spend a little time talking about. (laughs) Then I'll get into the Panama Canal, which I love. Then I want to take an intermission, and here's why. I want to borrow your iPad to see who the running back for the 49ers is. Made it. He got hurt today. I don't care. Uh, in 1832, Byron had to retire uh, because he developed rheumatism from his expeditions. Okay. So he took some time off. So he focused on more development projects and undertook the construction of the Milan Ship Canal. Was fourth. Fourth. This is what he wrote to his sister. Quote, quote, a big ditch shall be made. Does this guy think we don't know what canals are? It's a big ditch. With water. In it. All right, that's everything. We've covered it all. A big ditch shall be made from one extremity of the empire to the other, on which shall be transported the merchandise of the east and the rich stuff of the west. There needs to be an ellipsis before that. He had no idea what he was talking about. Nothing was written down. And the rich stuff from the other side. And the ends of the earth shall be brought near, and the land shall be full of gladness. Jesus Christ. Was everyone like, mm-hmm. <laughs> What if you don't make the canal huh. or ditch or whatever it is? Water ditch. Hire... That's what we're calling them now, water ditches. We're going to hire someone else. Okay, that's, uh, I'm hearing that a lot. All right. I'm going to go do multiplication near a bush. <laughs> so after a year off, he, his rheumatism eased up a little bit, so he decided to start surveying again. Right. Uh, he wanted to explore the west of Lake Michigan, quote, which then seemed to be beyond the bounds that civilization would reach during that age. Certain times when it still feels like that. <laughs> In 1795, French-Canadian fur trader Jacques Vaux... Were they all French-Canadians? Yeah, Did but- you have to be a French-Canadian to be a fur trader? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, look, there were America, there were English in America, but mostly French. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they built uh, a trading post uh, along the Milwaukee River. Nice. That's he right. was the first permanent white settler in Milwaukee. He not built, the last. He built a cabin. Yeah, it's not great. He built what? He, he built a cabin. He built a cabin. Okay. On, yeah, he's from, definitely from Milwaukee. <laughs> On top of a bluff overlooking the Menominee. Yep. Menominee. Yep. Yes. Menominee. Yep. River. Uh, this is where he lived in the winter. Uh, in the springs, he lived, in summer, he lived near Green Bay. Nice. 
That's where, I like that's how where... I like how he's like the. I can't do winters in Milwaukee. I go to. <laughs> I go to Green Bay. I just have to. It's like a vacation from the winter. It's lovely there. Milwaukee gets very cold and brisk. I go to Green Bay. It's nice. In 1818, uh, Vu handed off his Milwaukee assets to his son-in-law, Solomon Juno. Juno. Juno? Yeah. Juno. All right, we got right, it. Calm Thank the you, fuck everybody. Down. Let's, let's not get the torches out just yet, everybody. Yeah, let's. Juno. Honestly, don't care that much. I know it's one of your places, but don't give a shit. Uh... He built his first log cabin in Milwaukee and then the first frame building in the area. Okay. Solomon became an American citizen and he learned English because he wanted to turn the semi-inhabited trading post into a full-blown town. Okay. According to those who knew him, Solomon was, quote, one of nature's noblemen and was the very soul and embodiment of hospitality and good cheer. His house was a home to every straggler in that wild region. Okay, so when will tragedy ruin him? Well, Solomon also had a decent relationships with uh, his Native American neighbors, unlike all the other American settlers in Juno Town. Right. Uh, an early settler, quote, Juno, right? Yep. Janu? Janu. No, right? don't listen this to is that what, guy. This is what happened. This is what happens. Keep going. After the show, I'm going to beat the shit out of you in an alley. And everyone's going to stand around and watch. And they're going to cheer. It's going to be like some medieval thing. And then I'm going to hand them stones. And then they're going to stone you to death. Okay. All right. All right. I think we've all learned a valuable lesson. You said some stuff. He said some stuff. Juno would go straight up to the savage and calling him Bill stroked him on the cheek in a playful way. Sorry, if you're taming a moose named Bill, that makes a little more sense than when you're going up to a man who's not named Bill. Hi, Bill. Yeah, you're Bill. Yeah. You like that there, Bill? Yeah, oh, oh he likes his little cheek. He likes his little cheeky-weeky, Billy, 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 Oh, it's good to see you. I'm Solomon. Hi. Hi. I'm Bill, actually. Yeah, I'm Wild. not a Native American. I'm Italian. Oh. I hit my head so hard earlier. <laughs> uh, so, struck him on the cheek in a playful way. Thinks I, if I was as big as you are, Mr. Juno, I'd pitch him outdoors neck and heels. But the Frenchman understands these redskins better than I do. When they were going out, uh, Juno took down a heavy Mackinac blanket. Mackinac? Whatever. Whatever. 
Is it Mackinac? Yeah, it is Mackinac, yeah. Why do they have the C on the end? Blanket, and threw it over the head of the cross savage. That was more than I'd done, for these Indians are a rascally set of cheats. Who is saying that? That's just one of the settlers. Just some dickhole? Yeah. But that's, you know, that's kind of what everyone thought, but Solomon was a different kind of What dude. did he say about throwing a blanket on him? Uh, what did he say about throwing... Oh, yeah. Uh, when they were going out, Juno took down a heavy Mackinac blanket and threw it over the head of the cross savage. Is that a little crazy? He's not a canary. Well, so if I can understand this correctly, he walked up to this guy, this Native American guy, he called him Bill, stroked his cheek, threw a blanket over and him. And everyone was like, can you believe how sweet he's being to these people? <laughs> like, he should have been stabbed with a sword. Yeah, it's Hi, not a- Bill. Hi, Bill. <laughs> blanket. It's just like, uh, Okay. Uh, in 1833, Solomon partnered with Congressman uh, Morgan Martin to... Mm-hmm. Just, there's two fans of everybody in the story here tonight, Dave. That was, that was not normal. Uh, to begin developing a small village on the east side of Milwaukee River. By 1835, they were laying out streets, plotting lots, and selling land. Solomon called his settlement Juneau Town. Okay. It was said that Solomon had little ambition and was very rich. Uh, he kept his money in, a, in his tall hat. I don't think, I don't think all of it, just like instead of... I Dave, think just his I'm going to go on record right now. Any amount of money in your tall hat is too much money. I think it's great. I think Take off your hat. Hundreds of, I mean... Money out. You see that move once, you're like, oh, cool. I'll kill him. Okay. Well, yeah, that's it. That's, it's a two-part <laughs> process. The thought and then the action. One day he was crossing a street and the wind blew his hat off. Who? Hey, no, all my money's. Oh, no, I'm going to be chasing it around like a frick. And the money flew all over the street and... Solomon just laughed and kept walking as people scrambled to pick it up. <laughs> That's uh, very droll. Uh, My life savings. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh. Uh, but of uh, Juno Town, he was the postmaster and mayor. Built the first hotel, a courthouse, started a newspaper. Supported all public improvement initiatives. So between 1835 and 1850, the population grew from just a few trade merchants to over 20,000 white settlers. Okay. So now at the same time, Byron is now a married man, influential, influential and a ruthless businessman. Uh, he had left the canal business in 1833 because of his ill health, and he was looking for an opportunity. Water ditches. He left the ditch business, water ditch business, he saw Milwaukee's potential as a bustling port city, and he wanted a piece of it. Okay. <laughs> the pioneer history of Milwaukee, James Buck. Quote, uh, Byron is an intellectual giant, keen, shrewd, aggressive, with, an iron, with a will of iron, and possessed a personal magnetism that few who ever came under its influence were able to resist. Neither was it often that he drew a blank in Fortune's lottery. Jesus. Okay. Well, he's got it going on. And Solomon 
It's a great guy. Can, will put blankets on strangers he yeah. calls Bill and keeps his money in his hat. Yeah, he's not as... Sure. Yeah. The area was perfect because of its unique location, close to deep winding rivers that fed the, to the coastline, had a large bay, tons of animals to kill, nope. and... <laughs> not high-fiving. Uh, and the valley was fertile. Nope. Oh, okay. good. Yeah, I'm good. Byron wanted the land on the west side of the Milwaukee River, but it belonged to the uh, Potawatomi tribe. Potawatomi. 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 I thought you said pot. Huh? Yeah. I thought you said, I thought you left out a T. Potawatomi. Bingo and Potawatomi. Potawatomi. They had a village and crops of corn, squash, beans. They're just fucking living their life. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Which really was the M.O. of the time. Yeah. We're just living our life. We want to take it and do different stuff with ours. (laughs) Blanket. (laughs) Was actually a tactic we did employ eventually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're fucking assholes. Don't get mad at me. Mad at him. I didn't know it until him. Uh, so, Byron colluded with a dirty sa- surveyor and illegally included the area that the tribe lived in on his federal survey in 1835. This way, he could legit- legitimize his claim with federal backing and take control of the area. Nice, man. Awesome. Yeah. Finally, mm. white guys get something. So, it worked. In 1835, Byron bought the land on the west bank of the Milwaukee River, and he named it Kilbourne Town. Okay. So we've got Juno Town and Kilbourne Town. That's right. This, okay. We setting up a rumble? <laughs> the first thing he did was help finance... Hey, get out of here. You're in Kilbourne Town, buddy. <laughs> uh, just trying to walk home. Yeah, you're taking the wrong way. This guy thinks he's in Juno Town. The first thing he did was help finance the Milwaukee Advertiser newspaper, which promoted new land. Byron hated Solomon's settlement on the other side of the river. Okay, I would imagine. He saw Junotown as his rival and competitor. Okay. According to James Buck, quote, Mr. Kilborn intended that the western bank of the Milwaukee should mark the eastern boundary of the embryo city upon whose reedy sedges... Sure. Those who were foolish enough to pitch their tents upon the east side might gaze with longing eyes, but should not pass to except in a boat. Okay. So Byron made up maps of territory and distributed, distributed them to settlers, uh, but the map only showed Kilbourne Town. <laughs> I would say changing maps for your own, like, social gain would be weird, but... Still happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's not a map. It's a fantasy. Yeah, well, it's a map of his part, and then, and then, and it's then like the other part doesn't, doesn't exist. Okay. So. so by leaving it blank, it implies to all the settlers who you know, look at it... That, that they can go there. That it's a shitty... That Junotown's undesirable and a shitty place. Oh, okay. Um, so when steamers would deliver goods to Pyron's dock, he told captain and passengers that Junotown was just an Indian trading post. Okay. 
So he really is out there. Yeah. I mean, he's the one attacking a town. Yeah. Juno town. Byron hoped to isolate Juno town so it would become dependent on and eventually incorporated into Kilborn town. Jesus Christ. That's it's aggressive. Like, play the game, man. I don't, I mean, it's not, it's, you want to get in this, this settler business? You want to build a town? No. You got to go fucking hardcore against other towns. I don't want to do that. It's a goddamn war, man. I, no, it isn't. And the last town alive was the fucking one that wins. Wait, we're going to kill another town? Yes! No, I don't want to kill the other town. Milwaukee, we're attacking Madison tonight! No, 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 we're not. No, they... Yes! Maybe we should fucking do it. <laughs> It'd be kind of interesting. They would not see it coming. They would not. They would absolutely not see it coming. They would not know this was coming. <laughs> so, while he mapped his settlement... Byron laid out streets leading up, uh, up to the river so they did not align with those streets that existed in Junotown on the other side. <laughs> he didn't want them to be even with each other. He did it cockeyed. So, what, you so look these down are the not street. maps. These are just completely... This isn't a map. This is actually what he's doing with the oh, town. Oh, this is the vision board. Yeah, he's actually doing this. He's laying out his fucking town the other way. It just seems a little much. You got to do what you got to do when town war's on. I just had not really heard of town wars Welcome until to, now, and that's what's tough. Welcome to town war, bitch. Okay. That's what they said. I'd rather not be talked to like that in a town war. Literally what they said. No. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, is Solomon just like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, fir the first time they ever met, like, it was Solomon and two other dudes were in, like, a cabin and... And Kilborn came in, and he was just like, hey, what's up? And just started chatting with him to get all the info, and then left and was like, <laughs> they're fools! He was a lovely gentleman. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly what it was. I should give him money for my hat. So, uh, Kilborn thought making the roads match on either side of the river would mean he acknowledged the existence of Junotown. <laughs> he doesn't mean that, though, right? Yeah, he thinks it's, like, validating them. If he did that, he'd be like, well, you're real. There you go, happy? Now I'm coming to kill you. He's probably just walking around. People would be like, what is that over there? There's nothing there. Nah, it's nothing. No, it's a figment. there's houses and people. No. no. No, it's a drawing. It's a big, it's a painting on a wall. No. It's not real. You're seeing things. Yeah. You're the crazy one. No, it's a fucking town. There's a guy waving to me. Nope. No. No. Nope, nobody's been there for 20 years. 20 years to the day, actually. Now I'm going to leave, and you're going to feel spooky. Uh, from uh, James Buck, quote, Kilborn, from the first start, never intended that any communication by bridges should exist between east and west side and acting upon that principle made his survey in such a manner as to prevent the streets upon the two sides from matching each other, always insisting that the west side did not want and, if he could prevent it, should never have any communication with the east except by boats. This, for a man of Kil Mr. I mean, Kilborn's ability, is... was a most stupendous piece of folly. 
They're in the same city, and he's like acting like they're different countries. Well, there's a river in the middle, there's so a river. you can pretend, um, like I pretend like stuff doesn't exist on another side of a river. Yeah. If you're on a river, like you can just be like, that's not there. <laughs> Most people on one side of the Mississippi don't, don't even know the other side of Mississippi is there. That's just not accurate. They think it's, an, they think it's like an ocean that just keeps going. <laughs> There's absolutely no doubt there's someone in Mississippi who's like, look, the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I ain't a big mama. <laughs> so soon Byron started using the newspaper he set up, the Milwaukee Advertiser, to encourage people Dude, to buy... I mean, he's going ha- to be like Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> to encourage people to buy land in Kilbourne Town. In response, Solomon created the Milwaukee Sentinel a year later to to convince people to settle in Junotown instead. I wonder which paper will win. <laughs> the rivalry was off and running. <laughs> Not everyone thought Kilbourne Town was a great spot. One man wrote his sister, quote, Well, here I am with your Joseph, but never have I seen a more goddamned place in my life. Jesus. The town, or what it is so called, lies in the middle of a swamp. <laughs> uh, but soon after that, I, like, Kil- I mean, and <laughs> his sister probably lives in Juno Town. I wonder what life's like where you live sometimes. If we're looking up at the same moon in the same sky, I do wonder. Right back. Hopefully, someday I'll get enough money to come to the Juno Town and see you. Jimmy, you don't have to ride. We can just yell across the river. Sometimes it's like I can still hear your words. Right. I know that you're not there, but in my head I still vividly can hear you. Stop writing the fucking letters. Your voice is a little more shrill than I remember, but surely that's just time. Look. Look sideways on the street. I'm over there. I would say come here, but the conditions are quite abysmal, my sis. I know what... I'm, I'm in the goddamn conditions. Hopefully this letter will reach you in the next month or two. Well, it might not, because it's got to go around the goddamn fucking river. If not, know that I will continue to write until you write back. Will you fucking look at me? Take care. All my love. Fuck. Fuck you. Bill. Go fuck yourself. I'm licking the envelope. I'm putting a stamp on it. Okay. Somewhere out there. Don't sing. (laughs) Um, So Kilbourne drained the swamp and filled it in. Right? Mm -hmm. People came. Byron sold plots to people in Chicago and other cities, and within a year had turned his $33,000 purchase of the land into $220,000. Jesus, okay. Which back then is a fortune. Is it $90 billion? From A.C. Wheeler's The Chronicles of Milwaukee, quote, those on the west side had all along proclaimed that the east side was unhealthy. So east side is Junotown, west side is uh, Kilbourne. It's just very hard to believe that Milwaukee had a Biggie Tupac. (laughs) 
Those on the west side had all along proclaimed that the east side was unhealthy, that foul miasms hung over the houses. Foul miasms? Smell, odors, bad odors. Sounds like a selfish orgasm. (laughs) Which is an orgasm by definition. The way I do them, that's what they always are. Oh, Dave. That the inhabitants lived on eating frogs, which the Frenchmen had learned them sorry, to do. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, don't give me that face. What did you just say? That the inhabitants lived on eating frogs, uh, <laughs> which the Frenchmen had learned them to do. I mean, the stereotype is pretty strong. Yeah. And that many of them had died and were buried at night so that the world should not see their depletion. <laughs> Wait. They're doing midnight funerals? That's what, that's what the people on the west side say about the east side. I mean, it would just be great if someone could figure out a way to get over there and check. <laughs> the east siders had retaliated by calling the west siders country people who had come, who had to cross the river to get into town, who had no courthouse, no jail, no nothing, but Byron Kilborn. One enthusiastic partisan had gone so far, indeed, as to propose the establishment of a quarantine at that point where the West Siders crossed the river. <laughs> it, how bad is the West Side? The West, the West Side is still being built. Like the, so the East Side is much more built up. The West Side is Juneau. being... Yeah. Right. Juneau Town's built. So uh, Kilbourne Town is being built up. Okay. So it's, so it's in, in the it's, process. But what yeah. they're saying is, I mean, it probably is a little shittier. Than Juno Town. Yeah. Right. Okay. It probably is. Yeah. Uh, but again, he's trying to sell it, so he doesn't want Right. That he would never say that. No, of course not. Why be honest? It's bad business. Despite the rivalry, the settlements, Juno Town and Kilmore Town, and Walker's Point, which is on the south side, which we're ignoring because he didn't really get involved in this. Yep. Miss. He was very clear. <laughs> Shot out of the party. Uh, were incorporated into a single Milwaukee territory in 1839. Byron aggressively restricted entry to his side of the river and made it very hard for Solomon settlers to cross. So essentially you can't... Everything's fine. Um, (laughs) Essentially, anyone can go... He wants anyone to go there, but nobody from Junotown. That's right. Right, okay. Interesting. Just again, not how cities work. (laughs) Junotowners were trapped between the river and the lake, but they often needed to access the west, uh, west side. So to get across, or maybe the east side, I got that mixed up. So to get across the Milwaukee River, settlers either had to row across, take a ferry, or county, sh- or, uh, or county shuttle. Okay. One settler wrote, quote, The river is a fine thing, as I expected, but when you have to cross it three or four times daily on a log, it ceases to be an enjoyment. <laughs> Who, what? Sorry, even for this time, who is this person? You just gave me three options that seem pretty viable. This person's like, I'll tell you what I hate. <laughs> Grocery shopping on a log raft. What? All right, I got the eggs. I'm going to go back and get the flour, then we can make this cake and two more trips after that. Sir, would you like to rent a log? That'd be three eggs. It's all the eggs I bought. Yep. 
this is such a stupid thing we're doing. <laughs> Can't get over how stupid it is. <laughs> Here are the eggs. I guess I don't uh, need the log. I gotta go shopping. <laughs> so, uh, quote, the river's a fine thing, as I expected, but when you have to cross it three or four times daily on a log, it ceases to be an enjoyment. Yes, I often wish I was in Detroit. <laughs> You don't hear that anymore. That's changed. That's certainly changed. Uh, the Juno towners grew frustrated and began demanding yeah. bridges be built. Yes. Most migrants to Wisconsin were poor people. Byron wrote about a group getting off a ship, quote, you have, of course, some experience in the motley character of the multitude constituting the passenger of a steamboat but yet such collection of Tom, Dick, and Dutch and the devil. What? This took a really weird turn. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Dick, and Duchess, and what are names? And the devil, I presume, you never did see as we have had on board. So Byron wanted to build a canal. Sure, right. Water uh, ditch. People in Junotown greatly opposed it as it would favor Kilbourne Town. Sure. So things became so heated that a bank director who was in opposition to the canal was burned in effigy at a rally after Byron made a vitriolic speech. This is getting a little aggressive. <laughs> He's getting people fired up by the canal. So now everyone So the bank more. director's like, I'm sorry, they did what? What? Of me? I'm just a bank director. I just don't like the canal. We're going to kill you. Burn you. Yes, we're going to burn you, bank director. You will give us a fucking canal. It's not up to me. <laughs> it's not how this works. Well, tell us who we got to burn. No. Can we rent a log? No, no, we're not. Somebody has to die. Yes. During elections, people from the anti-canal party kept winning, and eventually the canal project was abandoned due to cost. But Byron had lost 30000 trying to get the project going. Okay. But the main reason it failed was because Byron did not at all work well with other people. That's weird, because everything I've heard makes it seem like he's a really cool guy to get along with. Yeah. I know, that was a surprise. It seems easygoing. In 1840, with Solomon's support, the Wisconsin Territorial Legislature ordered... Milwaukee. Where have they been? Were they at, all, at any point like, hey, what's this? This is uh, fucking insane. Don't do this anymore. Well, I assume that towns all over the place are fighting based on what we hear, but I don't know. Well, this is really insane, though. This is like the Warriors. It's not normal. No, okay. Uh, so they ordered the Milwaukee County to build a, quote, good and substantial drawbridge because the ferry system was considered inadequate. Okay. Byron Kilbourne was really against it. Okay. He claimed that bridges were hazardous to ships visiting his docks, but in reality, they threatened his control of travel and trade in Milwaukee. But isn't that a terrible argument? Yep. Like, one where you're like, we will build it above. It's a bridge. <laughs> We're not talking about putting a street in the river. 
This is an elevated road. This no, is a, that's it's a bridge. not how they work. No, it is how they work. And they're right on the water. No, they're not. I'm that's showing, why they're called boat killers. It's never been a thing that anyone has ever said because it's not at all a thing. All the time. Never said. Here comes the boat killer. You are the only person who said it, and that's three times. This will be a bridge. This is above. However, show no. me your biggest boat. We'll build it higher than that. No. Yes. No. Yes, you. This is not how this works. Your argument is flawed and not good. They go, they sink. That has nothing to do with a bridge, and I honestly don't even think you're arguing anymore. Bridges and boats have been at war for hundreds of years. <laughs> I, sir, am not about to become a part of that war. I would like to avoid casualties and death that your bridge will bring. Because you are going to build a murder bridge. It's an elevated road. I rest my case. It's just, this guy's just a fucking asshole. The first bridge was built on Chestnut Street. Byron finally conceded when one of his close supporters argued that it was hard to get to the courthouse, which was in Junotown. So Byron agreed, as long as he never had to share the costs of any, quote, east side improvements on the bridge. But the people of Junotown were not thrilled with the bridge because it, just, it ended up, the way it was built, it diverted south side trade to Kilbourne Town. So, so wait, so the way it in was a built, way, what he said was true, and it made his life better? Yeah, it made his life better. Well, he, then once they were building it, he got involved in where it should be, and he had it put so it basically brought people from the south side and anyone traveling through to Chicago sort of right into right. Melbourne town. Okay. So he likes bridges now. That's right. Yeah. One Junotown citizen called it a quote miserable affair. Sure. I love that guy. Yeah, that guy. Well this is a miserable affair. All right. It's pretty concise. Thank you, sir. I've spoken. That is that'll do. And we're done with the interview, so farewell. You, you, you got my comment, the full yeah. miserable affair. Good Great. day. Oh, my money. Okay. Oh, there it is. Oh, boy. Uh, so five more bridges were built across the Menominee River. Menominee. Menominee? Menominee. Menominee. It feels like we're doing that Muppet song. Menominee. And just so you know, that's where Ernie von Schladorn lives. Menominee Falls. This is the story of Ernie von Schladorn. He's a car dealer out in the falls. No idea. Uh, so the bridges were built in 1841 at Wisconsin Street in 1842, Spring Street and Oneida Street, 1843, and Water North Street in Walker's Point in 1844. Okay. Kilbourne Town refused to support any of the construction, so Juno Towners had to fund the bridges. So what? I mean, what is the end game for Kilbourne Town? Oh, you'll see. Oh God, what? 
That's a horrible answer. The Kilbourne Towners thought that's how it should be since the idiots had trapped themselves on a narrow strip of land in Junotown. <laughs> really cool people. The Kilbourne Towners were also very smug and boasted that they didn't need bridges because Byron's ferries worked just fine. <laughs> We've got boats. And logs. <laughs> yeah, right? Call in the log man, we're going across the river. All right, get on your logs, boys. Paddle Whoa. away. This is gonna fucking suck. <laughs> I wish there was some way to get across the river without getting wet. There's no way. They kill the boats, dude. Did you read the paper? It'd be a miserable affair. <laughs> The bridges benefited both settlements, but tension increased between the two communities. Sure. Well, in Junotown, their tension is like, stop being dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Russell Austin, quote, one night, Charles Milwaukee Siver, who was the first white, boor, white boy born in Milwaukee, so they named, they named him Milwaukee. Dave. <laughs> it's so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I saw Favre's penis. <laughs> it's just... I'll never forget that. It's a bummer. So the first white dude, they're like, yes, yeah, you. Yeah, they named him Milwaukee. One night, Charles Milwaukee Siver. But Milwaukee is a Native American name, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, but so then the, the, so the only way that you could get a Native American name is if it's in a white guy's name? Yeah, I mean, it's not great. <sighs> it just never ends. So one night, Charles Milwaukee Cyber, the first white boy born in Milwaukee, was caught on the west side by Abe... I calling him a white boy. It sounds like you're talking shit at him. That's what, a white boy? That's what the guy called him. You lost white boy? Fucking moving. Go to your fucking bridge. Get on your log. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, when I first read it, I had to do a double take. I'm like, is there a race thing happening right now? Is there <laughs> yeah. a type of race war? What? Um, was caught on the west side by Abe Broom and the Hubbard boys and given the wailing of his life. Uh, hey, <laughs> listen, West Side Story. What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of... Yeah, that's right. We're going to give you the wailing of your life. He's he was, yellow. He was caught. He's an east sider. He's caught on the west side by Abe Broom and the Hubbard boys and given and, uh, the whaling. So, no, no, no. Slow your roll, buddy. Okay. And who and the who boys? Abe Broom and the Hubbard boys. And the Hubbard boys? Hubbard. Hubbard. Like Mother Hubbard. Like Hubbard. Mother Hubbard boys. Yep. Okay. And they gave him a whaling of a lifetime? Yeah, they gave Milwaukee whaling of a lifetime. <laughs> Charles Milwaukee got even a few days later, quote, when Abe Broom ventured over to the east side. What is he, he doing? I don't know what he's thinking. This is just a dumb move. He's going to get the wailing of a lifetime. <laughs> he ventured over to the east side to watch the Washington guards who stood with rifles in hand ready to defend the bridge against Westsiders. So this is how boring life is, that you're like, I will risk my life to go watch these men. Yeah. It's something to do. Charlie pushed Abe into a mud puddle and pummeled him until a housewife armed with a broomstick broke up the fray. Hmm? 
But when, when she saw who the pummeled boy was, she went after Abe with the broom. So, knowing what we know now at the end, yep. what really happened is that he was getting beaten, and then a woman came and also beat him with a broom. That's right. Right. She saved him at first, and then she was like, oh, it's Abe, and then she just wailed away. Beat him! Should have come with the Hubbard boys, you know, if you yeah, want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Things really took a turn for the worst on May 3rd, 1845. Okay. A schooner crashed into Kilbore Town's side of the Spring Street Bridge. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> fucking told you. The fucking, the goddamn boat murderer. I want to talk to this captain. The boat murderer is I want to talk to the captain of this ship. I think this is either a fabrication, a plot, or this man is drunk, or he should not be on a schooner. Look, I was just going under the bridge, and the bridge came down and squished my Can boat. Can you imagine being that guy? Squished me boat. That guy, like the panic. The hell is that thing? We're going to go right through it. Look out! What are you doing? Look, Look at that! Fuck, put a building in the middle of the water! There's a floating road. A floating road? Now I've seen everything. What kind of witchcraft is this? Uh, all right. Get on your logs. <laughs> We're going undercover. So rumors spread. Uh, rumors Kil always are spreading right now. In Kilbourne Town, that the Juno Town people had paid the captain to run into the bridge. This makes sense. Because the Kilbourne Towners would not pay for bridge maintenance. Right, okay. So, yes, this makes sense. This happened. Juno Towners said it was just accidental because the bridge tender did not hang his lights to warn the schooner about the bridge. I still think this man overreacted. Kilbourne Towners angrily surrounded the sinking bridge. When Byron arrived, they asked him what they should do next, and Byron sarcastically replied, just lie down and let the Eastsiders walk all over you. <laughs> just fucking take it. Don't do anything. We're trying to let help. Let him kick you in the fucking face. We're trying to help you, Don't dude. Don't do shit. We're trying to help you. We're, like, trying to help you. You're just so... Just fucking lay down and go, oh, while they punch you in we're the trying face. To dude, we're trying to help you. You're just so negative. It's hard to follow you. I just wish you'd... Just fucking like... pussies. Whole fucking town. All of, all Dude, of my people. Come on. Shit. Stop doing this. You're fucking shit. I got like three oh, people to come to this thing. I'm going to sit around and watch a bridge get destroyed. Dude. Because you're fucking garbage. Come on. <laughs> He's only like this when he drinks. <laughs> it's pretty cool normally. That's why I live here. It's awesome here. In Juno Town, they eat mud for breakfast, so you don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm crying. Uh, that's weird. I don't know what just happened. Emotion just kind of kicked into another level. I don't know. My tummy feels weird, too. Anywho, uh, good to catch up. <laughs> I love him so much. I can't handle it. So all the people took this sarcastic uh, account as approval to fight back. On May 7th, 1845... Uh, sorry. Uh, he... That's not what happened. Well, he, he sarcastically said, lay down and take it. So they were like, okay, we won't. Uh, I guess. On May 7th, 18... Are we sure he was sarcastic before we go over there? <laughs> he was for sure. 
You really held that one word forever. I don't know. I don't know. I think we should just go ahead. Let's just go do it. Do what? Whatever we're about to do. <laughs> You'll tell me. On May 7th, 1845, Byron held a meeting to discuss removing half of the Chestnut Street Bridge. He wanted to just remove the half on his side of the river to the middle. But, Dave, surely, <laughs> surely he understands that hurts the whole bridge. When you take your half of the bridge and do something with it, it affects the whole bridge. It's like when you pee in a pool. You're not just peeing in your area. You've peed in everybody's water. Weird thing you brought up there. It's an interesting confession you made. If I ever get my hands on the guy who invented that goddamn die, you ruined a good thing we had going. You imagine the first time that happened? Oh. First, oh shit, I think it worked. That guy pissed. Huh? Oh fuck, what is this? Oh shit. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. Uh, I don't know what I've been drinking. Real weird. I must have eaten a pen. That's weird. How the body works. Uh, so, now this was the only uh, bridge that Byron helped pay for. The ten, uh, the board had ten members, five from Junotown and five from Kilborn Town. Kilborn Town trustees claimed that the bridge was, quote, an insupportable nuisance. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it's a, it's a, it, yeah, bridge. It's a bridge. It's I a mean, bridge. What are you talking about? What a nuisance! Uh, don't see how it'll work. It's working. Uh, I don't believe it. The resolution to remove the Chestnut Street Bridge was adopted. The next morning, church bells rang all over the east side, and people coming out into the street were told the Kilbourne Towners had taken down the bridge. Quote, very little time was allowed to elapse before the citizens were running about in a high state of excitement, like hens with their heads cut off. Have you heard it? Is it so? Have they dared? Became the interrogations at every corner. The sexton of the First Presbyterian Church, having accumulated a great amount of contradictory intelligence from various corners, came privately to the conclusion that some unfathomable horror had burst somewhere, and seizing his only weapon, his bell rope, he rung like a wild man, and uh, that indicated to the peaceful inhabitants that a crisis had taken place in Dave. something, somewhere, and they were all expected to turn out and hunt it up for themselves. No, no, all right. I am, I am very sorry. What the fuck did you just say? So basically, this, this a sexton is a guy that protects churches. Uh-huh. Uh, so he It's a weird name. All, yeah, it is. Uh, he hears all these different rumors, and then he goes and starts ringing his bell that shit's gone wrong. And then everyone comes out because they think something's gone horribly wrong. It's a very different time. The sexton ran down the street screaming, fire! <laughs> Wait, what? what? Did he think there was a fire or he just panicked? You don't know? What is he? He's, he's just not, crazy? He's not good what at What has any, he been hearing? He's bad at everything. Like, so, he's not, I mean, surely people aren't going, there's a big fire. He just wanted to get everyone out of the houses. Fire! <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> good news, good news. <laughs> There's no fire. And I'm a gossiper. 
So after he yelled fire, running up and down the street, then he, quote, relapsed into another fit of ringing the bell as he hurried towards the common gathering point. This dude is really not handling anything well. So this caused a frenzy. <laughs> sure. As the, sex- the bell sure ringing a lot. Something must be going on. As the sexton emerged, from, uh, emerged upon East Water Street, his eye caught the outline of a figure on horseback. As he passed along, the very excited young man, was very red in the face, rushed up rather wildly and caught the sexton by the lapel of his coat and demanded in a quick tone, do you know where I can get any clock weights? So this is a time traveler. Hello there. I need clock weights. Have they been invented yet? I assume clock weights are... Who is this man? Van Helsing? <laughs> I think they You there! Ah, sexton! I need parts for a watch. I think clock weights are like the things you see on the grandfather clock that hang down, you know? Okay, place. well, who needs them that badly? You. I need clock weights. There's a fire. I need clock weights, trust me. Okay. This will all make sense. A little while later, witnesses said they saw the young man carrying clock weights down the street. What a great conclusion. He then loaded them into an old cannon that had been dragged to a high spot. Oh, my God. Okay, so... <laughs> he never heard of cannonballs? What do you put in these things? I don't think they clock have... Clock weights? I don't think they have any cannonballs. <laughs> you just have cannons? But we clock- should invent another part to this someday. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's just a thing like this. Put your arm in it. That's fun. Huh? Maybe that's what it is. It's an arm holder. Uh, so the so cannon... <laughs> The cannon was dragged to a high spot. Now, this is a badass move, right? Yeah. Shooting clock weights out of a cannon? For sure, when you light him, you look to the guy next to you and you go, it's time. <laughs> so they aimed the cannon... With, at, at, honestly, aiming, probably not a huge part. I mean, you have clock weights. It's just general vicinity. There's a bunch of people. They aimed the cannon at Byron Kilborn's home on the other side of the river. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, Bill. A.C. Wheeler, quote, I saw that Byron Kilborn was the obnoxious person to whom the unthinking populace attributed all their mischief. I knew, too, that the mob, if once put in motion, would shrink from no deed of violence, that the crowd would commit every unlawful act, perhaps even murder, as a mob. But then a lawyer named Jonathan E. Arnold jumped up and stood on top of the cannon. Fire! (laughs) Fuck this guy. I'm a lawyer. Definitely fire. <laughs> he waited until uh, the noise and commotion calmed down and people were listening. People and then, must have been furious. And then he announced that just that morning, Kilborn's daughter had died and her body was now laying in the house. 
And then uh, everyone, the, everyone's anger dissipated a little bit. Well, that sucks. Is he, is he okay? <laughs> How's he doing? Is he, I'm sure it's, it's hard. It's very hard. It's a hard day. No, his daughter's dead. He's not good. It's a dumb question. Yeah. How long until he's attackable? <laughs> Five days. Five? Seems like pretty quick grieving process. That we'll give him eight days. I think that seems fair. Oh, very nice. But then, yes. and nobody tell him this. No. In <laughs> just over a week. He'll have no idea. We are going to fire all these clocks. We've in a, over, we're coming back here yeah. just as pissed. Okay? I mean, there's no way he saw the hundreds of people and the cannon pointed at his house. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's a tragedy when a parent outlasts their... Uh... All right, let's, uh, let's get out of here. All right. <laughs> Stay fired up, everybody. Let's meet back here once a day just to kind of stoke the flames a little. What do you say, huh? Get re-pissed. So the crowd dissipated and... By the uh, way, I call bullshit. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and uh, Arnold tried to speak to their common decency. Quote, he appealed to them as Americans, as citizens, as fathers. And while he did not exonerate those who had overstepped the limits of discretion already... He boldly branded the man who would dare to tear a father from the corpse of his child as a coward and savage. Unworthy the safeguards that civilization had, well, there's a word, vouchsafed. Mm -hmm. Reason came back, uh, sorry, reason came and took uh, the place of impulse. The more violent felt ashamed, and when Mr. Arnold disappeared from the temporary rostrum, the crisis had been averted. Okay. So he come, he's a, you know, he's a lawyer. Yeah. Yep. It was agreed that the crowd would come back at 4 p.m. What? <laughs> Dave, that is just... <laughs> I mean, what time is it now? Like, 3? It's like 10? It's, the more, it's very <laughs> early in the morning. All right. Well, let's give him some space. Let's meet back here in five hours. <laughs> then we'll kill him. Uh, By the way, your plan, if your plan was to shoot clock weights into his house, his daughter was, like, you were going to maybe kill his daughter. Yeah. Okay. But that's better than her being dead and you hitting her body with stuff. It's a weird line, but I guess in Milwaukee at the time, that's all we had. <laughs> so... Well, the crowd did return at exactly 4 p.m., and once again, they were an angry mob, emotional as ever. But then the board, the trustee board, called the meeting for that evening. And everyone calmed down and went to the meeting. And without discussing it with any of the Kilbourne Town representatives, they made it illegal to cut, remove, or damage any bridges. The penalty would be a $50 fine and five days in jail. So, there's really very little stopping you from removing bridges still. There's a little what? Very little stopping you from removing bridges again. Yeah, well, a $50 fine is pretty heavy. Yeah, but if you're Kilborn, you're like, fuck that. Oh, true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But everybody who does it physically would be in trouble. Sure. But, but Kilborn's got the money to pay yeah, all the fines. would be like, yeah, I got eight yeah, guys. Right. Uh, a letter published in the Juno Town paper attacked the, quote, Outr outrageous acts of a few ruffians in the West Ward. And said they should rebuild the Chestnut Street Bridge solid and permanent and sweep away all the other bridges. 
He also called Byron a dictator. It was signed, quote, a taxpayer. Almost 100% was Solomon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's putting little accents on the E's. We're pretty sure we know who this is. Uh... For the next several day, days, all bridges were guarded by armed men as settlers on both sides of the river attempted to tear bits and pieces off each other's bridges. It's your bridge. It's all your bridge. You share the fucking thing. Uh, well, you know, it'll show them. Take that bridge out. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. My mind is little, but wait. No, it works. That your, works. That's good. Your bridge. Your fucking bridge. Stay away from my bridge. I'll show him when I take a part of his bridge away. He probably can't even hear me. Stay. Why is he looking at me? Is he hearing me? <laughs> uh, in the midst of this chaos, a candy store capital, uh, a candy store. Oh, that's a candy that's store a captain. Auto. That's an autocorrect. It says candy store capitalized, but that's not what happened. A candy store capitalized. So a candy store. We oh. have a candy that'll help. <laughs> Bridge flavored chocolate. I'm an alcoholic. Um. A candy store owner published what would be the first of several ads in the Courier. Quote, to the excitement between the East and West wards still runs high, we have charged our soda fountain to the muzzle to be ready for the incursions from the West Ward. If any of the belligerents from that side should have the temerity to show their heads on this side, my stock of candy will be sure to cool them off. If they are ever so hot, so come along. <laughs> okay, so this... <laughs> local Wonka man is uh, is like <laughs> goading them to be like it's very dangerous but if you get over here you can have a never ending gobstopper that's right right yeah like it's like almost written in a threatening tone but there's no threat that's... well if they do make it over here I'll serve them just like everyone else <laughs> <laughs> I love money I like money on May 15th the board of trustees met again with representatives from each ward they voted to remove the Wells and Oneida Street bridges and use pieces of it to repair the Chestnut Bridge. This meant that both the Junotown settlers' preferred bridges were going to be taken down. Junotowners learned of the news and were livid. Posters were distributed across the town. Quote, it was a call upon the citizens of the East Ward who were desirous of vindicating and maintaining their rights to keep on the old stamping ground. A street gathering was called. They came armed with muskets and sledgehammers. Jesus Christ. The morning of May 28th, A.C. Wheeler, quote, the citizens assembled about the corners of Wisconsin and Eastwater Streets to the number of several hundred. Among the number, uh, of, among the number of was one Watson, a blacksmith, and a man by the name of Hawkins, an engineer. The former carried a, sludge, a sledgehammer in his brawny arms, and the latter a screw wrench, weapons that were to be used as the impulse prompted, either in pounding the West Siders or in dismantling the bridge. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Violent. The cannon was brought out again and fired. And again, the community gathered around the corners. Wait, they fired the clock weights? I don't know if it just said it fired. I think they just shot it off. I don't think they okay. shot anything at anybody. Cool. A man said 
yelled out, we should let down the Spring Street Bridge. The engineer, Hawkins, began walking towards the bridge, and Watson and the crowd followed him. At the bridge, Hawkins began to unscrew the bolts, holding it up as the crowd cheered him on. Others began running around to find other tools to help. But the crowd was so heated that the slow, deliberate unscrewing of the bridge <laughs> wasn't quite what they wanted. Yeah. How much longer do you think it's going to take? We're uh, exhausted. It's like a five hours, five maybe. Five hours? Yeah. Oh, shit. Anybody have a ratchet uh, no. screwdriver? Why didn't you come with some of this stuff? We're all really jazzed up. You should have just gotten us over here at the end for what the big finale. What about this? How about every time I turn, you guys go, whoa. It's really hot out. Some of us haven't had water for a while. Just ready? Uh, no. It's not that great. I got to be honest. Let's get really fired up, you guys. Five hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Watson then walked up with his sledgehammer and gave, quote, the iron rods two or three heavy blows with his sledge, separated them, and the draw dropped into the water. Oh. Then went up a wild cheer from the mob. Jesus Christ, this is insane. <laughs> I mean, they really hate bridges. <laughs> the crowd became more excited after watching the bridge fall into the river. A.C. Wheeler, quote, a gentleman which saw... Is, which really was Kilbourne's fear to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A.C. Wheeler, quote, a gentleman saw one fellow with an axe cleaving and scattering one of the logs after it had been pulled from the structure. And so entirely carried away with the excitement was he that he literally foamed at the mouth. <laughs> well, that guy just needs water. That dude is... He just needs some water. That dude is not a chill person. <laughs> I hate the bridge. <laughs> Another man yelled, quote, let us tear down the Menominee Bridge. And the crowd... Uh, ran towards that bridge. Soon, quote, the bridge was attained and was triumphantly overthrown, knocked Jeez, down, taken to pieces. They're overthrowing bridges? <laughs> I mean... There was now one bridge left. Oh my God! It started to dawn on the people what they had done. Because <laughs> now it is... How bad do you want no bridges? A.C. Wheeler, quote, having vented their spite in the inoffensive timbers, this crowd of citizens immediately felt better. Some of them laughed, others joked, all of them came out in the best of spirits as, though, as though they felt ashamed of themselves. It wasn't a pickup basketball game. <laughs> and were laughing at their own folly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember when we put the bridge of the wall? Oh, my God. <laughs> we are. Are we not? Are we not oh. just the most incorrigible? bridges. We have lost our mind. We are, you were nuts. You I were nuts. I, I was like, you, but bridge killed my you mom. Put the like sled, just, you, and you were shouting that. We were fuck. all believing yeah, it. Yeah. You were the totally, sledgehammer. You oh were my nuts. God. Was there foam coming out of my foaming mouth? Foaming at the mouth. Holy yes. shit. Yes, you were foaming. You still are. You got it around the sides of your lips. I just got crazy. You went nuts. Oh, my God. Fuck we me. are just talking about getting caught up in the moment. Are, are we not a couple of rascals? I know. I mean, good Lord. You know, it's amazing. There's one bridge left. <laughs> it's gonna suck. We were, we were gonna, gonna suck. go get that one. We were ready to go oh get it. Oh my god, thank god we didn't. Yeah, I then, mean, thank god. Because I'll be it, honest, Judo Town is gorgeous. I really like it yeah. over there. I really like bridges. That's the thing. I love bridges. I love I don't know what the hell happened to me back then. I love a bridge. Right? I'm from Juno Town. I uh 
I just got so, you guys seem so convincing. Yeah. You guys are nuts. Oh, boy. Well, uh, I'm going to head back to the other side. Yeah. I'm I, I uh, on the east side, by the way. Okay, well, great. Uh, you yeah. know, but it seems like we have a lot in common. <laughs> we bridge, hey, Keep that bridge up. <laughs> oh, good to laugh. <laughs> it's good to laugh. <laughs> so the bridge tearing madness had cooled down. They realized that they had destroyed nearly all the routes that connected the two sides of the river. There was just one standing bridge left at Wisconsin Street. Of the last bridge, A.C. Wheeler wrote, quote, It was averred that to cross it safely, the teams had to start halfway up the hill and dash across with all possible seed before it sunk under them. So I'm not sure if they damaged it or if there were so many people on it that everyone was just like fucking running. Jesus Christ. But, they, but I assume they probably damaged it also, but then stopped. Right. So there's one bridge now, and it's shaking. Not great. Right. Okay. Still, the war was not over. Over the following months, the fight continued in the rival newspapers. Each paper dedicated a column to a writer. One writer was a taxpayer, and the other writer was named another taxpayer. Okay. <laughs> so Juno and Kilborn. Yes. Each represented their town's opinions. They argued back and forth in writing for months. At one point, an anonymous writer called Citizen joined in. Then a writer called Law and Order tried to calm everything down. Sure. <laughs> sure. One of taxpayers' columns. Quote, we must take a firm stand on this question. We will tell on these Spring Street gentlemen who are the instigators of this outrage, and not upon them only, but upon all that part of the West Ward. Don't let the trustees of the West Ward be gammoned. What is gammoned? Keep going. Nor yield one inch as to the Chestnut Street Bridge, and to which, in good order and successful operation, our citizens have contributed so much, both from their corporate and their individual funds. So while the newspaper wars were going on, people who needed to cross the bridge had to show a white flag so they would not be attacked by people on either side of the bridge if they wanted to cross. What? See? I'm going over to get bacon! Is that a white flag? Yeah! Bacon, yep. All going right, for bacon. I, I just want to walk on the bridge. Don't stop waving it or you're going to get the wailing of a lifetime. Okay. Okay. All right. You're a weird little guy, aren't you? When I have my hands full of bacon coming back, because <laughs> it's a How lot. How much bacon are you buying, dude? It's a lot of bacon. We're having a bacon well, party. Well, buy enough bacon so you can keep waving the flag or you're going to get beaten. How? I'm not looking to have a back and forth, buddy. I'm just telling you the rules of the bridge. Okay? Get to the other. You don't have to wave it so much. It's not. No, you're not color guard. Chill out, Okay. Just, yeah, go get your weird bacon. Can I put the flag in my shirt so it sticks I, out the back? If you keep moving and you kind of keep... And I do this? Yeah, if you keep moving your back so it's still waving. It's not, if it's just a white flag, that's not going to do anything. It's got to be waving. We know you're chill. There you go. There you go. Would you like some bacon, boys? Yeah. Hey, take this guy's bacon. What? Steal no. it from him. Fuck this no, guy. No, white flag. White flag. Yeah. White flag. Throw his flag in the river. No! Yeah, throw him in the river. <laughs> well, I don't know why weird little bacon man tickles me so much. 
At one point, Juno Towners spread a rumor that they were going to tear down the West Ward's dam. But they had no intention of actually doing it because it would be devastating. They were just fucking with the Kilborn Towners. And then they sent two men over to Kilborn Town to see how they were reacting. And the two spies reported that By- Byron now had armed guards in front of his home. Okay. A lot of Kilborn Towners took the dam threat very seriously. Playing into the joke even more, Juno Towners spread another rumor that they were going to aim the cannon at the dam and demolish it with a single blow. The spies uh, spread the rumor uh, also that a shot from the cannon was the signal to destroy the dam. So the spies Wait. go around and tell everybody that when they hear the cannon, that that means that that's a signal to destroy the dam. So then, By the way, if you hear the cannon, they're going to destroy... Like, and then a little while later, everyone hears a boom because they set off the cannon, and Kilborn Town goes fucking apeshit. It's the middle of the night. All these guys, armed guys, go out and gather in the street. Quote, as might be expected, in a very little while, the West Ward was in a state of great excitement. Lights were seen passing quickly and flashing here and there in the river. The sound of voices was heard, and it was known on the east side that the joke was working very well. It's just getting weird now. (laughs) So now it's pranks. Yeah, now it's pranks. (laughs) For the next week, the Juno Towners laughed as they watched armed Kilborn Towners guard the dam day and night with weapons. Okay. For years after, Juno Towners considered to be one of the best pranks of all time. (laughs) While Kilborn Towners insisted that they had actually tried to destroy the dam (laughs) and that they saved it. <laughs> and the truth is probably that there was never a shot in the dam. Yeah, they just feel weird. Uh, Solomon and Byron suffered considerable infrastructure setbacks from destroying each other's bridges. Sure. At this point, they finally realized they would be better off working together. <laughs> you mean building a bridge? Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking. This is just so a rich people thing. It's, a, it's, it's rich men. It's yeah. so like... It's two rich guys just making people try to kill each yeah, other. Yeah, and just for their own benefit and then eventually being like, you know, it seems pretty cheap to get along. <laughs> that's why we'll do it. Like, that's the only rationale. In December, the trustees put together a plan to build three new bridges... I mean, if you live here, you must be so sick of the word bridge. You're like, stop saying it. God. Oh, what, it's a card game? Oh, my Uh, God. Shut up about the fucking bridge. You hear about the bridge? Not that one. There's a new bridge. Got a couple new bridges. Then we took down the old bridge. I'm paying umbrage to it. So, uh... I'm going to build a bridge inside a bridge. A city charter was drafted on May 31st, eight. 1846, the city of Milwaukee was formed with a population of nearly 600,000. The only other city around this size was Chicago. To avoid any future conflicts, the municipal government of Milwaukee agreed to handle all bridge building and maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Solomon was the first mayor of Milwaukee from 1846 until 1847. Uh, In 1854... What a run. (laughs) In 1854, Solomon and his family moved to Dodge County, Wisconsin, where they founded the village of Teresa. Solomon died there in 1856. Uh, He was at a Menominee village with six chiefs who were pallbearers at his funeral. Byron got involved in the railroad industry. 
But in he was the railroad industry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But he was fired as president of the Milwaukee and Mississippi Railroad for mismanagement and fraud in 1852. Tracks. So he started a new railroad to compete with the former railroad that he worked for. I'm going to put myself out of business. But his public career was ruined after a scandal. He was alleged to have used around $900,000 in railroad bonds to bribe state officials for land grants, which would be about $24 million today. So wow. his railroad then failed. And in 1868, Byron moved to Jacksonville, Florida, Florida to uh, relieve his <laughs> rheumatism symptoms. He died there uh, December 16th, 1870 at the age of 69. In 1935, the Milwaukee Journal noted that, quote, Milwaukee's bridges carry more than one million persons daily. This is, the city has more movable bridges in proportion to its population than any other city in the land. During the Great Depression years, the Milwaukee bridge count hit 100 more than any other city in America. But the names... <laughs> they were like, we've been burned. We, <laughs> we're gonna build 100. But the names of the streets never changed. Yeah. So a street on one side of a bridge would have a different name than the street on the other side. Also, there was no numerical system to identify houses, businesses, or other buildings in the city, which caused residents and visitors to have no idea where anything was. <laughs> and private developers were allowed to name streets, so they would often just name them after themselves yeah. or family members. They paid no attention to how names of adjacent streets or cross streets were. <laughs> Just every block, you were like, what should we call this one? Teresa. Okay, great. Next. Teresa. Weird. I don't know if we want to do two back to back. Teresa. Mm. Okay. No. Teresa. Okay, yeah. Uh, so this led to long streets having many different names along their length. Uh -huh. Also, the same name was used for several streets in several different parts of Milwaukee. <laughs> Always imagine, a fun move. Can you imagine trying to get around? It's like... an homage to the one that's over there. <laughs> Finally, around 1900, postal workers had fucking had it. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Wait, what? Yeah, 17's that one. Across the water. No, the other chestnut. No, it's not Water Street anymore. No. It's not how it works. They demanded street names be changed. So a commission was created, uh, a street naming system, uh, to create a street naming system in 1913. After a lot of discussion, the commission suggested putting numbered streets in one direction and named streets in the other direction, which a lot of cities do. Yeah. Everyone agreed, but... Generations of families who had lived with their street names were super attached to them. They didn't want their street name to change, but they wanted the other street names to change. Well, surely that'll work out real well. So nothing happened. A second committee was formed A in... A second committee? In All right, we're going to do it now, though. In 1921. Jesus Christ. But the members could not agree on what should be changed and how to do it. <laughs> so we're all, we'd, we would all rather lose than any of us win. It's ironically a Solomon's choice. Mayor Daniel Hone finally just disbanded the committee. And then in 1926, this is five years later, 
The mayor ordered a city engineer to drop a plan and put him in charge of naming the streets. Over four years, the changes were made. Assigning only one name to a street took more than 80 names off the city's map. <laughs> wow. So it really was bad. <laughs> wow. There were so many duplicate street names in each ward that over 60 new street names had to be added to fix it. Oh, my God. Eventually, the bridges of Milwaukee became one of the most notable features of the city, especially because many of the bridges across the river run at an angle diagonally across the river. Because... Because of fucking Kilbourne. Trying to connect to streets that are cockeyed. Talk about a legacy. Uh, late in 1998, Byron Kilbourne's remains were dug up and returned to Milwaukee from Florida for internment at Forest Home Cemetery. They should have been reburned. Uh, Solomon is buried at Cal uh, Calvary Cemetery, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow. So your city is fucking bananas. <laughs> That is so crazy. Look. Whoop. Happens rich to all my... Rich people fucking suck. Yeah. There's just always... And, and Gino wasn't that bad, but yeah. Kilbourne was a fucking crazy oh, rich asshole. lunatic. Who built his city to the side a little bit to take over the other city. Like, out of his fucking mind. <laughs> we built this city... Oh, my God. And then, and then, of course, all the poor people are trying to kill each other because the rich guys started a bunch of shit. Right, yeah. When has that happened? Yeah. Iraq. <sighs> we leave here. I can't imagine... We go kill all the rich people. <laughs> oh, wow. That was, that was a how, little too enthusiastic. By the way, how long until shit like that... I mean, in this day and age... It's like there will be a Kilborn sect that's like, we are taking the bridges back. <laughs> like, you know, just a group of people, you're like, wait, what? It's like they're on this dumb website. They believe, they think bridges are, it's a long thing. <laughs> bridges are killing us. It's, no more bridges. I mean, Bill? You, you could, I mean, you could go online and like go, hey, look, a lot of child molestations happening on bridges. Yeah. And or, all the Trump people will be like, stop the bridges. Or just be like, like, just be like, Kilborn was a hero. Kilborn did all... You could totally build him up. and be like, we're Kilborners. I'm That's a Kilborn right. again. Yeah. And they'd be like tearing down the bridges, just like, no, we don't believe me. Like, what's the benefit? Doesn't matter. Benefit, benefit. We're doing something. Period. And then a lawyer has to get on a cannon again. Gentlemen. I don't know. I should have written something down. <laughs> That is so, I really, I mean, I just had no idea. <laughs> I know did anybody know that? Let me did, yeah. Yeah. They, that's the kind of shit that they really, the fact that they don't teach it in that's Milwaukee it, schools is a crime. Because it's just super interesting. Why wouldn't you why want would kids you not? to know that? Every kid would be telling that story for fucking years. It, it, it constantly, and being from, it does shock me yeah. how boring it was. And we just recorded our 403rd episode or something. Like, yeah. it would be so easy to make history. I would have enjoyed the class. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, sir. I understand. Thank you. But yeah, it's a crime the way they nuts. the way they teach kids. Uh, yeah. Uh, unless you're a teacher, then you're doing great. Well, it's it's not. A, yeah, it's not their fault. I mean, uh, we just took our we just took Finn out of a school and moved him to another one because they they had he's ten. The teacher had him doing three and a half hours of homework a night. And we were like, oh, that's how 10-year-olds fucking go crazy. And we well, had talked to the teacher, and she's like, you just got to get him ready for junior high. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But also, so we pulled him out of the school. And the great thing is that you found a school that not only less homework, it's full creationism. And so you're like, yes. you jump on that. That's right. These people tell the truth. It all started 6,000 yeah. years ago. Dino dinosaur bones are a fake. They're there yeah. to trick you. Yeah. Yep. It's chalk, people. Look it up. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming out. We really appreciate it, truly. It means a lot. Love Milwaukee. Thank you. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.